0: This is the most important. Watching people from everywhere here in London, for me it's f***ing amazing. It's like a cultural experience. You are so right. And you know, the world's getting crazy. A lot of words around and stuff. I'm I'm from the city which one is 80 kilometers from Ukraine. So we were first on a border when they start to come uh, to Poland. When the war started, we cooked food. We gave our furniture, our clothes, uh, everything what we had. We can show even in this program how important is respect to the other cultures, other religions. I'm happy that I had the family who supported me. I always have a place to come back. This is amazing because some people even don't have a home right now. I feel really honored to be there. Really, guys, and you are amazing. And I feel that I'm going to learn a lot from you.
1: welcome to the eat your content podcast i am your host rich herrera just a few upcoming reminders uh we are doing a top chef recap show every week so be sure to follow us on socials Uh, follow me on socials to follow eat your content i am at rich herrera on instagram and facebook And a few programming reminders, if you missed the first two episodes, uh, we recap those. They are archived on Spotify uh, or wherever you get your podcasts. So be sure to tune into those older ones and and come in and listen to these current ones and uh, hit those like buttons and follow buttons to make sure that you're notified of all the new episodes that are coming up. With me today, again, as uh, with every week, friend of the pod, chef and restaurateur, Kenny Gilbert, uh, chef and restaurateur, chef owner of Silky's. Uh, chicken and Champagne Bar in Jacksonville, Florida, and author of the cookbook Southern Cooking and Global Flavors out everywhere. When is it? April 11th, 12th.
2: Yes, and I actually have a copy. Oh, nice. There's a copy, yeah. So <laughs> look uh, at that thing uh, shimmering. I know, right? Yeah, I got my <laughs> copy. Um, super excited about it. it. Comes out actually April 5th. April and 5th. So, okay. Yeah, or I, I'm sorry, April 11th. April 11th. Uh, it was supposed to be April 23rd, then it shifted to April 11th. So I'm very, I'm very, very excited. We're, uh, we're, you know, getting re- We're working on our, our book tour, and oh, wow. uh, all of our dates and everything. So yeah, it's very exciting. Awesome, very exciting. awesome.
1: Well, I, I saw some of the pictures in there, and those are great. You used a, a local Jacksonville photographer for that, didn't you?
2: Yeah, yeah. Kristen, Kristen Panoyer. Yeah, yeah. We've been working together for years, and she's amazing yeah she does great work i follow
1: her on instagram so she she does a lot of awesome pictures and so i wanted to give her a shout out too so awesome we'll pick those up it's available for pre-order now right on chef all right excellent get get it pre-ordered and then pick it up wherever books are sold april 11th awesome you ready to talk top chef let's do it all right instant reactions overall what did you think of this episode i i thought it was one of the best ones yet i mean we're only three episodes in but i thought it was a really good episode
2: Overall, I I, I, really, I really enjoyed it. I, I think I think it definitely spoke true to the the, the location, the ideas of the, the you know of the food that's historically been done there. And I think the I think the chefs all, all did a, a great job overall. I think they, they they did well.
1: Yeah, when we talk about the the bottom two here in a few, I mean we're we're talking the the nittiest of picks, right? I mean we're at we're at such a high level so early in the game. Right. That that were that people are going home for things that would have passed and that that would have been fine in seasons past. But now it's like the the level of competition is so, so high. And it's really, really fun to watch. So, yeah. And I think this this episode was really great. It highlighted London a lot and and the UK in general, uh, which Mm -hmm. is really cool to see some of those traditional foods. So we, we have 14 chefs left. And we start off in the stew room, basically right where we left off in the last episode. And and Amar talks about how Top Chef Middle East is, is kicking everyone's butt, which <laughs> I, I agree with after the first two episodes. USA still kind of in the middle of the pack. They, they're they still kind of, you know, riding the wave, <laughs> not really kind of stepping up as I was hoping that they would. You know, we have four people from the U.S. and, and you know, I'm all Team USA, but we'll see how the— how it goes. And then it it gets kind of serious here at at the beginning. We talk a little bit about, um, multiculturalism and how this show is showing a lot of different cultures and backgrounds coming together. And then Sylvia tells this just gut wrenching story about, you know, the war in Ukraine. And when, when Russia invaded her city in Poland is only 80 kilometers from the border of Ukraine. So they were one of the first cities to get a lot of refugees and, and showing, um, You know uh, them coming in and uh, cooking them food and giving them the shirts off their back and giving them places to stay i mean it just shows how small small the world is you think of this war that's going on in ukraine you think it's so far away and then you watch something like this you're like it's it's right here you know so so what do you think kind of showing that kind of almost global aspect of you know this is top chef is is great but you know it's what we're representing here on the show is, is bigger than the show.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It was very, very touching. And, you know, to, I I think they do a great job of, you know, especially with these future you know seasons that they go on a lot of times they don't let you know about what's happening uh, real time. And I think they're doing a great job of, you know, people want to know. And so to, to, to say, Hey, this, what's going on, this is real around these time periods, I think, I think is great. Cause they usually keep us so secretive about where they're at and what's going on to, to really be able to talk about life events. I, I think is awesome.
1: Yeah. What's going on in the world around us does have an effect on on these competitors and, and you know they realize Absolutely. you know at, at the at the end of the day in the grand scheme of things i'm just on a am I'm a, I'm on a cooking show which you know <laughs> in re- it, in in comparison to eternity so to speak it's not going to matter in 100 years right so it's right, it, right. it shows that there's a bigger thing at play but it but still bringing it back down to where you know they said a lot of good things about you know this show shows that you can bring people together from different cultures backgrounds and that everyone is deserving of inherent dignity and respect no matter your race creed culture sex whatever that is you know food is the great unifier right i i I always it i always say it's really hard to yell at somebody when you're both over eating over a good meal you know it's it's, yeah it's it's really and as a chef you you know right because you you cook for the heart of people, and you cook to to bring joy to people's lives, and it's and it's really it is really hard to yell at somebody across the table when you're sharing a great steak and a nice bottle of wine, right?
2: That's right, that's right, yeah.
1: So we, we come out of that, and uh, Gail, Tom walk in and kind of surprise everybody because just after elimination, right? So they come in and everybody's like, oh no, what's going on? And the announcer's not gonna be a quick fire the next day, which everybody's like, oh, that's kind of weird. But instead they're gonna go on a pub crawl throughout London and taste different foods. Luciana mentions, because she's lived she's uh, lived in London for like 19 or so years, she said, and London is not known or hasn't been known in the past for being a foodie city. It's always been kind of known for bland food or whatever. But now, it, you know, I've never been to London, so I don't know, but apparently it's this kind of mecca of cosmopolitan food. Um, I don't know. Have, have you been to London and kind of experienced that food firsthand?
2: I, I have not. That, that's, that's, that's one uh, country, I, you know, I haven't. You know, I haven't toured to yet. Um, Yeah. I'm looking forward to going. I I worked with a lot of chefs from the UK. So, um, you know, but to to be present in, in, in the country, in the city, I haven't had that experience yet, no.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's on my uh definitely on my list of places to go and, and eat and see and, and always wanted to visit London. So this was a great chance to for me to kind of live vicariously through these chefs lives as they tour these different pubs and eating all this different unique uh you know, English food. So they go on the pub crawl. And the funniest thing I, I thought about the pub crawl as they're going to each one is everybody's on their toes, right? Everybody is, is kind of looking over their shoulder, wondering when the, the shoe's going to drop, right? Sarah's drinking water. She's not drinking alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. she has a sense that it's going to be an elimination challenge. Dale agrees with her. Uh, and Dale's funny. He said, uh, I, I'm not great on pub crawls. I usually don't make it past the second one. And then Tom and, and Tom had the quote of, of the beginning. He says, no one goes on Top Chef to have a good time. The moment you let your guard down, they throw you in the kitchen and yell at you to cook. How true is that?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought, I thought that <laughs> was funny. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, it's every every show has some kind of twist like this. Like, oh, let's do this and that. the next thing you know, it's like, oh, guess what? We just fed you. Let you drink now you have an elimination challenge you
1: know (laughs) i mean yeah i've seen in some past seasons where some people are drinking and they're and they're going into the kitchen like kind of (laughs) buzzed it's like oh no i was not prepared for this uh so we we end up at the lamb and flag uh at the first pub and sylvie tells a story about how she got her master's degree in law and her dad gave her money for postgraduate work, but she took the money to open a restaurant. And her dad didn't talk to her for like six months. I mean, that's yeah. that's that was a funny story. Just you know, you you kind of try the school route to make your parents happy, and but you know that's not what you want to do. And cooking's your passion, and she goes and spends the money and, and opens up a restaurant. And uh, you know. Makes her, makes her father angry. But look at her now. I mean, she's on top chef. She's a, a renowned chef. And her dad, I'm sure, is is very proud of her. Um, I also see Charbel isn't drinking. He's taking notes. And he says, I don't trust them. <laughs> it's
2: it's,
1: <laughs> it's hilarious. The first, the, you know, after coming off the discussion about Ukraine and everything, it was really great to to have this kind of lighthearted moment in the pub and, and seeing everybody have fun.
2: Yeah, no, it was great. I mean, I, I, I think they uh, they always butter you up you know, and, and also educate you you got to think about this. Yeah, people come from all around the world to a city, some are locals, some have been there before, some have worked with some of the other world renowned chefs uh, there. And then all of a sudden, you know, and, and so they're saying, Hey, try the, this is historically, how the dishes are done. This one actually has elevated a little bit more. And so they take them to do is showing them do different tiers of what's going on. I, I think it's it's great for the viewer that has never been there um, to learn through uh, through what is seen on TV. And then also for the chef's test it's like for you to be able to try a bunch of food before you have a chance to actually cook it. If you never have before, that's like that's like an open book book test, you know, here's here's the original form. Um, you know, like when I was, you know, like as you're going through this, you see, you know, different dishes. I'm, I'm thinking back when I lived in Barbados and uh, I worked at, a, you know, the Sandy Lane Resort and, you know, it was, on, it was owned by five Irish billionaires, you know, so to do a proper roast, to see fish and chips, you know, uh, bangers and mash and, you know, like all, all these different dishes. I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm just like smiling because it's like things that, I had to cook all the time. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Uh, so, uh, because it was, you know, that was the core foundation. And so,
1: yeah. So it was cool watching them. So they're eating, you know, traditional pub food in London. So at the Lamb and Flag, they're, they're trying out three different dishes. The first one is fish and chips. I mean, that's classic. You know, everybody's had some form mm-hmm. of fish and chips, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. It was the, what they were served was beer battered haddock uh, chips. Crushed minted peas, homemade tartar sauce, and fun fact: 300 million portions of fish and chips are served in the UK every year, which is crazy. Um, and then they were served fisherman's pie, which I've never heard of before. Um, the, the dish that they were served uh, was smoked haddock, salmon, and prawn fish pie. To me, it kind of looked like a shepherd's pie, but with seafood, and there's a lot of cheese, which is weird. Yeah, and even Padma said that you know this is a a, a dish that kind of scoffs at the tradition of you don't put cheese with seafood, right? But there's nothing but cheese and seafood and mashed potatoes on top of this thing. And then a proper yeah. Sunday roast, which is a classic roast with vegetables and in, in Yorkshire pudding, which is uh, kind of a puffed bread a little bit there. So I, I, what do you think? These are the first three. And I think what you were just saying earlier, these are, are three kind of staple British dishes, right?
2: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know, I think that it was great to see, the classics, and also like I hadn't heard of the uh, the fisherman's pie, um, so for me it makes sense when you think about the classics of just cooking. You know, the byproduct that you can take and flip into something delicious that everyone can eat is all the trim of all those the seafood. But they're selling the haddock in a in a beautiful form that's you know the fish in, for the fish fried fish. Um, it's the salmon is probably served in, like grilled or roasted. Um, you know whatever kind of fish they have but then they have all that trim you know that's perfectly mm-hmm. fine and to cook that down uh, they probably salt it a little bit poach in some milk, flake it fold it into mashed potatoes, a lot of cheese and some herbs and garlic and whatnot um, it's going to eat delicious you know and also going to make money off of it they're not wasting anything you got to think that you know a lot of this also is tradition in terms of product utilization in the kitchen yep yep
1: so they eat those dishes, t- everybody tastes it, and then they move on to the next pub, which is the Jack Horner. And kind of the, the fun little thing at the Jack Horner was watching Buddha trying to learn Spanish from Gabri. I thought that was a, a fun little scene, trying to, to, to learn a traditional, I guess, Mexican um uh toasters you know like we say cheers or salute and uh, mm-hmm. buddha was, was having some issues with that one i thought that was kind of funny <laughs> so they eat three more dishes here now this was kind of fun shepherd's pie which i always thought was you know kind of beef and and mashed potatoes but it's actually in england and is made with lamb ground lamb hence the name shepherd's pie which makes sense you don't have shepherds with cows you have shepherds with lambs um, and then the beef pie the, what we normally would call shepherds pie here in America is actually called cottage pie in England, but they had the shepherd's pie uh, and they also had a steak and ale pie, which is a a meat pie with mashed potatoes and gravy and then toad in a hole. Uh, which was new to me. I've never heard of that one. It's a traditional English dish of of Yorkshire pudding with a sausage baked in the middle of it. Kind of looked like a really big pig in a blanket, I guess, if you want to think of it that way. Um, Mm. uh, Victoria kind of had a hard time with it. She kept calling it a toy in the wall, uh, and she did not like it. Her facial expressions were hilarious. They're like, Victoria, what do you think of it? Didn't say a word. (laughs) Didn't say a word. Yeah. yeah. So what do you, yeah, what'd you think of this one? The one thing I'm noticing about these traditional English dishes is that they're rich and heavy. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, think you have to look at over time, you know, what, what would you eat to keep you warm and, you know, fed and, you know, and nourished during harsh times, you know, um, I think that's where a lot of the food is, has come from. And so, i think that you know over time i think a lot of you know a lot of these chefs are going to be um elevating it and take it to another level um and but but still with tradition there's tradition i mean uh i i I don't think there's anything wrong with it because not like you eat these things all the time you know um people that show up to travel i think they're definitely uh, gonna enjoy it because that's that you you should you should try the history but yeah a lot of these dishes i I mean the the drinking and having all this heavy food, I don't know how they could even get past the first pub, <laughs> let alone go into the second one.
1: Yeah, I think it was Amar after the first pub they went to. He was like, man, I'm already full. And, and Pat was like, man, you got to represent.
2: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's
1: like you can't you can't be eating a full meal at each of these things. Take a couple of bites, take some notes. You don't eat the full thing right in front of you.
2: It's like,
1: come on, man, act like you've been here before. <laughs> That was fun. I thought that was funny. So the last tavern they go to after the Jack Horner is they end up at Trafalgar Tavern, and Sylvia, the woman, loves her potatoes. Uh, she is funny. She's like, I, I, I can't wait to eat some potatoes. And here we go. We got the big potato dish. We got bangers and mash, uh, which is sausage and mashed potatoes. And it was interesting. Note they get the bangers and mash gets its name from sausages that were that used to be made. They used a lot of water because they didn't have enough meat to kind of fill the casing. So when it cooked, it exploded. Hence bang bangers and mash. And then they also had scotch egg, which is a hard boiled egg wrapped in sausage, breaded and deep fried. I love a good scotch egg. I mean, I I love scotch eggs. Um, so I was really excited to see this on the menu. Uh, what'd you think of Travolger
2: Tavern? Yeah, I mean, again, you know, classic, classic dishes. Um, the scotch egg, you know, look great. Um, you, you know, is, is that something that I would crave to want to actually make or put in my repertoire? But it's, One of the things that if it's done right, it could be it could be craveable and delicious. Um, I'm not a big stuff something, cook it and serve it kind of chef. Like Mm. I like the classics of the Galantines and Ballantines And um, but I'm not a big person to say, oh, let me go ahead and stuff this whole thing. I, I, I just that's never been my my bag. I never really cared for that. It's not a big turducken guy, are you? No, no, <laughs> I, I don't like the fact of like taking something and stuffing it a bunch of times and then cooking. It real- now, there's technique that you can do it right, especially now with you know, thermal circulators and things like that. Uh, you can do really, you know, really cool stuff, um, and that's the only way that I would do something that like that. Um, but then you're just, you know, just the risk of cooking it at a certain temperatures for a long period of time. I. I'd rather just make it a, a good roasted whatever on the bone, carve it off, serve it up. But there's 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 history and there's tradition for a reason.
1: Yep. So we get to the elimination challenge. So again, there's no quick fire. So the the quick fire time was taken up with the pub crawl, eating all the food. So the elimination challenge is to make all this food that they just ate, um, chefy for lack of a better term to to give it ele- to give it an elevation to to make it a little bit more refined to take these things that are normally you know rich heavy to be you know eaten with a pint of guinness and you know just just to make it a, a fine dining type of thing um, so what's the challenge in taking something humble like bangers and mash and trying to elevate it what's what's the challenge in that in a
2: competition well the, the challenge is is that when they take a bite, you want them to be reminded of the original, you know, texture, what texture, the 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 main ingredients, the flavors, all that. And so you have to have a different skill set and understand in understanding, and you have to be some of the historian of food to understand how can you cook something in different ways present it in a manner that looks totally different, but then flavor profile when you take a bite, it tastes the same. So it you know, depending on your your degree of difficulty of cooking um your skill set and what you can pull out your bag to to manipulate uh presentations, textures, flavors, and things. You want the flavors to be pronounced from the original, but the the technique and way you put it together needs to be unique. And so uh, it does take a certain level because you have to understand the history of it. And so for them, again, it was an open book test. They were able to taste the uh, the original um, or a uh, very close to the original preparation of it. So I, I think it's a I think it's a very smart challenge. Uh, I think they gave them opportunity to be successful. Everyone everyone had the same opportunity to be successful. Everyone tried all the same thing. So then in your mind, what are you pulling out of that to that that's uh, that you feel like is and then how are you going to manipulate it? to make it make a pop for the for the judges. And, and it's a hard thing if you're not into deconstructing food, um, and it, you're not gonna do well on this challenge. And again, all these ch- chefs from all around the world are highly skilled and are, are stay true to who they are as chefs in their own respective areas. But that doesn't mean that they haven't learned how to cook other things in other areas. So for them to go deep into technique, you know, whether it's working with hydrocolloids or um, you know whatever their however deep of their badity you go into i think' it's, it I think it was great to see um what they feel is important to be um the, the way they're going to represent the dish in a deconstructive manner
1: yeah I think the the risk of chefing up um, a comfort food is that you elevate it to a point where it's unrecognizable right where you say it's this but then it tastes nothing like it or looks nothing like it um so i thought yeah like you i thought this was a really great you know skills challenge to to test your palate and then to recreate the dish in a different way in a different form um and this is a a unique one too because it's a one-day challenge usually elimination challenges are two days you get the first day to kind of cook prep everything you get the second day to to finish up and and serve but this is a a quick two-hour elimination challenge um, and they're, they're going to cook in Trafalgar Tavern, and they have to cook for 40 people. Uh, so there's a guest judge. His name is Brent Graham. He's the director of London's only Michelin-starred pub, which is kind of cool. And this is a double elimination, which I found shocking to be this early. I mean, even in your season, there wasn't a double elimination until at least episode four. <laughs> um, so yeah. it, it, when yeah. Lynn and Arnold in your season went home in, in episode really? four. So this one's early. What do, what do you think of a double elimination coming this early in the game?
2: I think they're bringing the i think they're bringing the heat i think they're bringing all the i think i think they're giving all the smoke you know like hey we got the we're looking at the best of the best personality wise skill set wise how they represent their country there's a million different things that, that they look at for the chef to come on to represent um and to to and everyone's is is, is is highly skilled um and has been doing it for some time um and even if they've been doing it for a small amount of time they're doing it at a very high level for for uh for the time that they've been doing it so i think it's great i think the challenges are gonna get even more more intense i can't wait to see that um you know because there's been you know you're talking about a lot of seed you know 20 seasons of this what more can they do that to stump the chefs and and challenges they haven't already done so they're gonna do, they're gonna be they're, i'm looking forward to see what more they can do yeah. You know, and so, so this challenge, I think is great. I think it's I think it's right on time. I, I don't see anything wrong with it. You know?
1: yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was great to start it this early, too, because, you know, it's serious. This is serious competition. It's world all-stars. You're you're talking about the best of the best of the best, you know, coming in here. These are all winners and finalists in their own respective seasons. And so uh, it it sounds like somebody at Bravo took some notes because the first two episodes were kind of light on the drama, but this one had a little bit of kitchen drama, a little bit of kitchen drama we're going to talk about. So the first is the kitchen that they cooked in. I mean, you're cooking in a tavern kitchen, um, which was tight, at least from the camera angles I was seeing. There were 14 chefs in there in in a kitchen that could look like barely could hold five you know so a lot of tight spaces everybody kind of and that gets to you right so you're you're fighting for space and and you have everybody kind of all up in your business all up in your uh, in your space so it's it's going to come out the the frustrations are going to come out right so what did you think of the kitchen looking in it it's not the big top chef kitchen uh in the studio it's it's a real kitchen
2: yeah, no, I, I I thought I thought the kitchen is fine. I mean, realistically, what you probably what you're not seeing behind the scenes or what you're not seeing up front, but what we experience behind the scenes a lot of times when they have a kitchen that is, you know, not massive, they're going to bring, you know, you got to think all the chefs are putting food out periodically. So everyone, they're going to bring in chefs and let them start cooking in a strategic manner. Not necessarily you may it may seem like everything's all the same time. Uh, but a lot of times they they it's like a relay race. It's like, okay, uh the, like in 15, 20 minute increments, hey, this this chef starts, um, and then another 20 minutes, another chef team starts, another chef's team starts, and then over time, then those two people leave and they're done. And then then the more sets come in. So by the time you're done it's, you know, it's all done in, in, in a great and good timing. Because the judges, you have to also think they're not eating all this food immediately one after another. So there, so it's, it's a very strategic based on the timing. So it looks like if we went back and probably really studied it, you don't necessarily see every single chef at all at the same time. It seems like a lot of people because there's probably... They probably have three teams of of two in at exactly the same time, but because of T-Bay Magic and the way that the cameras are going, uh, it might be showing a lot more people than they are, or they're moving from a different section of the kitchen at at different times because they're all revolving out. Because once you're done cooking, you're not going back in the kitchen to hang out necessarily. You might go grab your knives and you're walking out, but things are moving along
1: that's good insight. So it's yes. not two hours, everybody starts. It's two hours, this team starts, and then maybe 15, 20 minutes later, two hours, this next team starts. So they're staggered, almost like a 14, you know, or a, in this case a seven, like a seven course tasting menu, right? They're staggered.
2: That's they're exactly. Staggered that, yeah, that's exactly that. So like, for, for example, on my season, the, uh, um, uh, the steak, the steakhouse, uh, the palms, uh, up in DC, so that was it, that was done exactly the same way. They had a beautiful kitchen, um, but everything was staggered. You know, I, I want to say it was like a staggered 30, you know, 20, 30 minute start. Uh, you got like 30, 40 minutes. And then when you were done cooking, boom, the other chefs came in, team came in, cleaned up the kitchen. Boom, 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 another 30, 40 minutes. And then it just kept kept popping off like that. So I'm sure they pretty much did the same thing. It probably was a little bit tighter in, in time, but I'm sure it was pretty close to that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that behind the scenes stuff. It seems It's stuff we don't get to see, right? To to the camera angles, whoever's the cinematographer really made it look cramped, really made it look like, you know, mm-hmm. some tight spaces in there. So we get our first, you know, when we talk about an international season with a, with a bunch of different people from a bunch of different countries, here's our first um, showing of communication issues, right? So Sylvia and Victoria were working together and Victoria's English isn't, isn't hundred percent she knows she knows enough but it, there are some words that still confuse her sylvia was asking if the sausage was ready and victoria didn't understand the word ready in, in an interview piece she thought ready the word ready was an ingredient it's like i, I don't know what you mean ready what What does ready mean and victoria's like, or uh, sylvia is like uh how do, how do you how do you explain ready how do you and then he she turns to Gabri, who's from mexico and says, "Hey, how do you say how do you say ready in Spanish?" As if to translate it to Italian to Victoria, it was, it was like this weird kind of like 13-player trade back in 2005 between the Heat, Grizzlies, Hornets, Celtics, and Jazz, and everybody's like trying to to, to figure out. The, but Gabby figured out the the word gave it to uh victoria in spanish she translated it in in italian because you know italian and spanish same romance language roots but i thought that was funny and victoria says i don't speak perfect english but i do speak food or something like that (laughs) i I thought that was really funny what did you think of that because you don't experience this like in the regular top chef you know everybody's from america everybody speaks english but here you have you know, 14 chefs, not all of which English is their first language. And here we see one of the first hurdles of that with a team trying to communicate.
2: Yeah. You know um, that's the, that's, you know, that's the dilemma that they're in. They're going to have some of those challenges. I mean, I, I, I think it's great. I think it's, you know uh, you learn a lot about a person, you know, food is a common language that we all share, but like to be able to get the, the the timing down and, and, and time management and efficiency you got to be able to understand what's going on, you know, like, yeah, we might have to say, Oh, here's a carrot. Oh, the coolest carrot. I get it. You know, but when it's, you're talking about like, you know, Hey, what's your timing? Like, what do you got going on? And then you're like talking fast and other person's like, wait, slow down. I'm not understanding what you're saying. You know, it's uh it, it, it's, it, it makes for a good TV for sure. And understand that the challenges are going on because it's not just here's a couple beautiful ingredients. Let's make it delicious. It's like, You know as all that goes along with it
1: yeah yeah so Nicole uh, was making Yorkshire puddings and she gave a little uh, secret beforehand in her interview piece she said I've been practicing making Yorkshire puddings before I came on the show because I knew I was coming to London and she wanted to make sure it was right so she so she's a pro at making Yorkshire puddings now and she said now the trick is to Yorkshire puddings is to preheat the the muffin pan and make sure it gets really hot so she puts the pan in the oven, she turns to the kitchen, tells all the chefs that are in there and says, Do not touch these muffin pans. And she gets crickets in response, right? And then Sarah in her interview segment says, I like Nicole, but I don't like that she expects everyone to stop and answer her, which I got to think. I was like, Well, that's kind of rude. And then I got to thinking, well, there's 14 people there. They're all head chefs of something. They're used to to barking out an order and hearing nothing but yes, chef at the end of that and for for a head for a chef to come in there and not hear that must have been a little bit kind of jarring a little bit you know that you that you didn't get a response back
2: yeah i think it was disrespectful you know i i think that um we're all you're all working in a kitchen and you're trying to get accomplish a same goal as doing the best you possibly can and respectfully you know you're talking the language of the kitchen the language of the kitchen is uh hey, chefs, um, I have, you know, pie tins going in the oven for my Yorkshire puddings. Please don't touch my oven. Yes, chef. Heard chef. We chef. You you know what I mean? Something, you know, to me, there's there's a certain level of respect. Like I just shot uh, one of the chefs uh, here at the restaurant, Jeremy Ford. You know, I'm like, hey, Jeremy, is it okay for me to give a vendor your number because we're looking at, you know, yeah, helping fine tune your this meat program at one of the restaurants, or whatever. When I want want you to be able to help customize wherever you want based on your specs. Is it okay to give your number away? You know, he was like, "Yes, yeah, chef." You know, that that's that's fine. I'll work with that. And I was like, "I heard, chef." Respectfully, you know, I I asked him. You know, what I mean, like, yeah, I'm the VP of culinary. I technically should be able to do whatever I need to do, but I have respect for the chefs. I'm not gonna do something. That they don't, they don't have, they don't, that they wouldn't want to do. Like, you, you, you know, and to me, I felt like everyone else was not being very respectful in that, in that, that regard. Because it, it doesn't take much, you know. She was being nice, she was being respectful enough to say, "Hey guys, right. um, I'm putting this in," blah, 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 blah. And everyone else should have been able to say, "Yes, chef, heard," you know. That's it. And then so for me, if I wouldn't have got that response, you know, I would have taped the whole f-ing oven up and be like. No one's going near it. Da, da, da. You know, what I mean, because what does someone else need to use an oven after that? You know, um, and she was being nice enough to say, "Hey, I'm in this oven for 15 minutes. Please, nobody touch it." You know, she was being nice about it. You know, she could have just roped and taped the whole thing off and then just said whatever. And and she didn't do that. And so I I, I think there's some you know there, there's some camaraderie that needs to to be a little bit better. We are in a competition, but kitchen language. Listen, it's, it's as simple as heard, chef, and, and you keep it moving. Like that didn't mean you need to stop what you were doing. You could have still been slicing the dice, and every every chef in there can can slice and talk and not look at their hands while they're cutting. You know what I mean? Like they could have said, "Yes, chef, heard, gotcha. Don't touch the oven for 15 minutes." It, it doesn't take a second, you know, to 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 be respectful and to do that.
1: Yeah, just a simple acknowledgement, right? And and but to hear nothing in response, I was like, "Wow, okay."
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: So. Yeah. So we get our first chef kind of button heads here. Um, We have Luciana. She is changing every single element of the fisherman's pie. And she she has potatoes that she's making, you know, because it has the mashed potatoes on top. Buddha says they're gluey. Luciana thinks it's fine. Argument ensues. Buddha says, we discussed that you're going to tammy it and not thermomix it. So for those that aren't, that don't speak chef, (laughs) what is tammy it and thermomix it mean?
2: well um a thermal mixer is a, a mixer that you can put that you can put an item in and then while it's pureeing it can still heat up and so uh or it can cool down one one of the one of the two and so she wanted to take and and use this way to emulsify this this potato puree so it was more a lot more smooth the the reality is that because of the starch of the potato it could be you have an it could become gluey um a tammy, basically, Buddha is saying, "Hey, cook off the potatoes, roast them, bake them, whatever, and then pass it through a tammy, and that way it's going to be perfectly smooth. And then you can basically whisk it with your cream and your butter to get it exactly where you want. Um, and it's, you, have, you don't have the risk of over-whipping it and it being gluey. And so that's where he was coming from." and yeah. she did she did what she wanted to do
0: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: yeah that was that was interesting buddha was very insistent he was like we're doing these potatoes over um which again is is kind of taking charge he's like he, he knows something is wrong and we're going to see how that may have benefited them uh when we get to the to the top two bottom two um and then it, speaking of button heads he had dale and may and i think this was very interesting from the very get-go When they divided into teams and they got their food assignments, they were butting heads almost immediately, even from the dish they wanted to cook. I think May wanted to do the scotch egg, but Dale wanted to do the fish and chips. But then from that point on, once they decided on scotch egg, it to me, the way it looked, um, Dale basically steamrolled her on all the suggestions that, that she wanted to do. She wanted to do it deconstructed. Dale wanted to keep it play it safe. And basically they ended up presenting nothing different than what they ate, except with different ingredients. And, and even the car ride to the elimination challenge, it was like, there was an iceberg between them. I mean, it was cold and you could, you could sense the the tension between the two. What, what did you think of, of that going on?
2: Yeah. Well, here's the, here's the thing, you know, uh, may wanted to take some risks and then Dale wanted to play it safe. And they compromised by doing a scotch egg with Thai flavors, um, but not manipulating it whatsoever. You know what I mean? That, that was the dilemma. It may want to do some other things to um, take another level. And uh, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't happen, you know? Um, and so they, they made a dish that was good and they had good flavors. Um, but I. You know you could tell Dale was like, listen, I don't want to you know we'll be fine by playing it safe and just doing this right and make sure that yolk is jammy and, and cook right cook right and you know the flavors are where it needs to be and you know we're we're better off going this route than going too aggressive and so uh she was like, no hey, it's winter you know it's like go all out or don't go at all and he was taking a safe route so I thought it was interesting. Um, and that happens. You got to realize on Top Chef, every one of those chefs obviously um, have different personalities. They're different ages. They, they've all have different. They have very they're very highly skilled to come from different parts of the world. Um, but they also have, you know, uh, from a, a, you know astrology standpoint, a horoscope standpoint, they're different. They're different, they're different birth dates. You know, they, they take the psyche of the chef very serious when they're picking these chefs out and so if you know you got a, a leo versus a taurus you know and they're on the same team they might be bucking up you know what i mean versus you know the compatibility of something it, it's all this is all mapped out to be what you see <laughs> You know, what i mean this is not by by chance you know what i mean like they, they they're very very smart the way they select the chefs from the look from the the personalities how are these how many alphas are gonna be in a room? You know, how many, you know, I mean, like they look at all that, you know, and they, and this is a perfect example. You 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 saw two that were like, no, this is this is how I wanted it to be. One took over, one was a little more submissive. Um, they compromised on the flavors and the theme, but they didn't take the risk like they like the, 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 that May wanted to, and I thought that was very interesting. But it, it's not surprising. It, it's always gonna happen that way yeah, area, yeah.
1: so on the other end of that you have uh, other chefs that seem to be moving right along you see Tom um, Tom sees begonia doing something very chefy right she's she's spreading something onto a stencil kind of looking mold Tom and begonia aren't on the same team but he's looking over to see what she's doing and he says, hey, can, can you teach me how to do that? And Begoni said, I'll teach yeah, you anything yeah. you want. And they're not even on the same team. And there's just that, that yeah, yeah, yeah. on that end, from opposite from what we've been seeing, is this kind of like, Tom seems to be in a constant state of learning. Like, I want to continue to learn. And, and this looks cool, what you're doing. I want to learn how to do it. Begoni's like, yeah, of course, I'm going to show you. I'll show you whatever you want, whenever you want it.
2: Well, well, it's because Tom is a molecular gastronomy type of guy. So he's looking at, you know, the the... The the technique that uh, Begonia is 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 presenting is something that he add, he can add to his bag, you know, because he's got a lot of he, you know, you could tell when the way he did his dish that he likes to play and manipulate food and, and do different things. This, this was like his, This was his challenge and Begonia's challenge, you know, and Buddha's challenge in my mind. I, I feel like the three of them from a molecular standpoint, I think that they were able to show what they're used to doing. Cause you think about a lot of other seasons, a lot of molecular astronomy was thrown out the door. You don't see a lot of that in a lot of these other seasons. Um, right. right. That, that, you know, that was like the killer. Like I know in my season, some of the stuff, some people want to try to do some stuff and it was just like, just cook some food, just cook some food, you know? And so now to be able to see some of these influences and for them to be executed at a high level, is uh is pretty dope
1: yeah so speaking of tom i think tom and sarah you couldn't have picked a a more opposite pair but more perfect together i thought it was really great because sarah is much more rustic and country, and all about you know big southern flavors. And Tom's like the science experiment. He like you were saying uh, molecular, uh, molecular gastronomy. He's using and and Sarah was really at all of what he was doing. He's using agar agar in the pea puree and tapioca malodextrin to make a powder. And this is stuff that she would never probably use in her cooking on a on a daily basis because that's not her style, right? But because she knows and they ended up getting um sunday pot roast the sunday roast which I thought was perfect for her because that's kind of her homey type of background but for him to shine to take something that is very traditional and to make it um much more than it is I thought was a really neat pairing what do you think of them too
2: oh i love that i love their I, I i was i when i saw everyone when i saw everyone cooking um i was i was like okay the, the, you know right now this is when they're all starting to flex a little bit and and show what they can do um they, they not the, not like i said before the, i think second second uh, podcast i was like you know what i haven't really seen anyone do anything that's that's noteworthy for me to remember um and you know and I, and I really wanted to pay attention even further to this this seat this this particular uh, episode and they came out of their bag. I mean, I thought that they all worked really well together for the most part. Uh, I thought they showed a lot of skill. I thought this dish was absolutely, you know, beautiful. Uh, I thought it was amazing. I think, I think uh, that if I got that, I could see that plate in any Michelin star restaurant, um, any AAA, you know, you know, five diamond five star restaurant. Um, I, I thought I, I could, I could taste it just from visually looking at it. I, I, I knew what I was going to get. Um, and, and I, and I felt that the textures and everything that was represented would, would be, would be awesome. And so I knew that we were going to, just by seeing how things were coming together, I was like, man, this this would be a great dinner to sit at for sure. Yep. Yep.
1: And, and I stand corrected. They actually have the shepherd's pie, not the pot roast. So I, I apologize for shepherd's the pie, yes. misinformation <laughs> there. So they had shepherd's pie. So, you know, one other thing too, before we get on to the presentation of the dishes, um, begonia again kind of kind of being that uh calming influence in the kitchen Gabri was stressed out about his pork belly being undercooked you know after you know is he going to get his pork belly cooked in two hours he was freaking out and begonia that was his partner um spain and mexico she calms him down and and shows him some techniques on on how to get that pork done uh in two hours correctly and so I, i really love begonia she's very cool she's calm collected like she has been in these situations. I mean, she has been, she's a winner on her particular season. So, but she seemed like this was an old, old hat to her. Like she's just done this a million times, you know? So it was really neat to see her, you know, working with Gabri and, and Gabri's kind of a young chef. Right. And he was kind of uh, flailing about his pork and, and Gabri's like, I mean, uh, Begoni's like, calm down. It's going to be all right. Here's what you <laughs> need to do. Yeah,
2: yeah. Yeah. No, I thought it was great. I mean, I, I think that, uh, if she's right, she's like, listen, just put some of the sauce in the pan, just like, keep, keep cooking, it's gonna do its thing. You know, it's gonna be okay. You know, th- we, you know, you could tell a chef that has some maturity about them. Um, and have gone through, you know, they, she's, she's tested and gone through a lot of different scenarios. I mean, er, listen, every one of these restaurants out there, I don't care if it's 11 Madison, I don't care if it's, you know, uh, you know, Danielle, or you know uh anywhere they all go through challenges and trials in the kitchen you know and something doesn't go out quite right or something you know even during even when they're putting out mission star food on a consistent basis shit happens and so you gotta be able to learn how to be calm and understanding and it takes time it takes time to have that kind of balance and and she showed her um her you know her poise and her professionalism you know and i think that was great Yep,
1: yep. So before we get into the presentation of the food, any any other uh, things that you saw or observations that you saw in, in kind of the kitchen drama part of the cooking that that uh, was interesting to you?
2: Yeah, um, Amar and Ali, um, you know, their fish and chips. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I thought it was interesting when it came time to making the batter that there was there was like they could they were te- they tested it out. And it wasn't crispy enough. And and so I think it was interesting for Amar to go to have to go back to uh cooking these things up. Again, they all knew that they were going to London for this show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. like they didn't find out two days before they got on a the plane. They knew probably about a month out. Now everyone's busy, but if you didn't practice and know how to make a fish and chip batter and and make that where you knew that like what what makes it beautiful whatever then you don't deserve to win you don't deserve to be there like you gotta know what is what is being faced in front of you like like you gotta practice you know like you can't your ego shouldn't be that big enough that you're gonna be like oh well just whatever i'm not saying they didn't but i would have already knew that known going in like hey this is my this is my fail safe Batter. I know if I if I I'm to make it with this this and this, and I'm looking for the sparkling water. I'm looking for this beer. I'm I'm gonna try it with different types of beer. Uh, I'm gonna make sure that everything is on point. I'm gonna, I'm gonna research. Hey, what kind of flour they're using over there traditionally? I mean, I, I would have already known because I worked with, I worked at a resort that was owned by five hours billionaires. So like a lot of the traditional stuff, we were already doing, but I still would have practiced. I would have done something. I would have made something at least once or twice. I mean, at least.
1: Yeah, it's like Nicole. I mean, you you know she knew you know, like you're saying, you know you're going to London. She was practicing Yorkshire puddings. She got that Yorkshire pudding down. And you know at some point, you know, you don't know the challenges ahead of time, obviously, but you know fish and chips are gonna be on there at some point. I mean, you can't not go to London and not Listen, do a fish and chip challenge, whether you, it's a quick you're, fire you're, or elimination.
2: You're gonna make a shepherd's pie, you're gonna make a bangers and mash, you you something. They're going to take a lot of the classics and they put all the classics into one major, major challenge because, yeah. you know, they want to start because, other, you know, you, you know, you got other great chefs that are doing great things over there. So they want to elevate even further, but they were smart about it. And I and you should like my season, you you know, I knew we we're going to have some kind of crab <laughs> and not not crab that wasn't like just picked in, in, a, in a container ready to go. I knew we we're going to have to cook crab now i already know how to cook crabs i know how to clean crabs so like i eat crabs but like but there's other chefs in my, in my episode like oh my god it's a lot i'm like what <laughs> like come on you know and then there's other people like tim the other season he's from there man this cat he cleaned like a, a ton of crabs he got like he had like 10 pounds of meat i was like yo like this cat is cat is a is a monster over here you know but you gotta know
1: yeah yeah, I mean you you know you you have an inkling in your mind of what some major food you're going to cook there because of the location. Yeah, you 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 practice it a couple of times and and try to work something out so yeah i thought that was interesting so i'm glad you brought that one up because it's like you know that's a that's a basic thing you have to get that breading right so we'll talk more about that here in just a second so let's talk about the the presentation of the food so you had victoria and sylvia they were a team and they got assigned toad in a hole or they picked toad in a hole to make so they made african spice sausage yorkshire pancakes truffle powder uh, cream chantilly with mustard and honey I mean, it was fine. It didn't. It didn't look like anything to me. It didn't blow my skirt up or anything. So, I don't know. It was fine, <laughs> I guess. What did you think? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I, you know, I think they got they what they presented. They got through the challenge. Um, I think it was. I think they did well. They they made it something different. Um, you know, I think it was fine. Yeah. You know, Same. And that stood out. Yeah. Same,
1: but then we get to Begonia and Gabri different story they did bangers and mash um, their version was a pork belly with potato foam mash sausage gravy and crunchy onion cookie we're gonna talk about that in a second they definitely got that chefy part right that onion cookie on top just looked so that's what was she was spreading earlier when when tom asked hey can you show me how to do that so that's what she was making earlier this crunchy and i wish you know i could show you what this looked like for those listening because i can't describe it it was just this very Delicate, very intricate stencil work, uh, and what she did, and it was great—just great technique and great artistry—to to, for one form it and cook it in that way, and, and for it to um, showpiece like that. So, what did you think of their their bangers and mash?
2: So, I I, I, I saw that twill, um and I thought it was awesome. I, I think that she has a lot of pastry um, experience, uh, more than likely. And she's learned how to uh, take some of that pastry experience of beautifying, you know, dishes. And she was, she's able to uh, translate that into savory, which I have a lot of respect for. I think she did a great job with that. Um, You know, she probably was like an art major in school. So she was probably used to doing a lot of things, cutting out and stenciling and creating different uh, designs. So it looks like she probably had her own stencils uh, that she brought with her that she's able to have in her, her, her knife roll or her kit that don't take up a lot of space because you have a you're only allowed to bring on a specific amount of knives and tools and so you can't just bring like the whole kitchen sink so to speak in terms of your tools and so she brought things that she felt like is going to take it over the top and then the technique of literally making um, a basic batter that she got to the point where she knows she's going to be able to add flavor and also get the texture she, she wants she's done that a million times. Again, these chefs are going to pull out things that they're not. She didn't just figure that out on that uh, on the fly, on right? Lunch. Yeah, and I, I immediately, you know, I remember when I was taking notes and I was looking at everything. I was like, "Bangers and mash, beautiful, definitely going to be on the top." You know, like th- that was my impression. That's what I wrote down when I was uh, when I was, I was watching. It was actually a beautiful dish, for yeah. Sure. I thought so too.
1: So Ali and Amar, we talked about the fish and chips earlier. That was their pick, which is is kind of a trap, right? Because fish and chips is so iconic. You almost set yourself up that you have to do something so, I don't want to say over the top, but something so grandiose to, to elevate that fish and chips, but still retain what makes a fish and chips fish and chips, which is the, the crunchy fish and the crunchy chips, right? So their version, Ali Namar, was seaweed battered cod, minted peas, mint and tahini veloute, tartar sauce with calamansi uh, and malt vinegar fries. I love calamansi, um, I'm a Filipino, that's a big, big citrus yeah. in our in our cooking. Uh, so they said it was tart and delicious. The judges did. The malt vinegar fries was probably the bigger hit on the table, um, but it didn't seem like they solved the soggy batter problem because that was the uh, the biggest thing that they got dinged on was that soggy batter. And we talked a little bit about that. It's like that's that's the the one thing you got to get right on fish and chips.
2: Well, what they what they needed to get right was texture. You know, um, it didn't necessarily have to be a batter. They said that it needs to be fish and chips. And, 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 and what do you like you need to deconstruct it? So I think they could have done some other things that they basically be able to uh, get the potato um, part uh, in terms of like the fry. I think they, you know, uh, I think they could have done something different in terms of the crunch on the fish. Um, the minted peas, they could have done a couple of different things with that. The malt, uh, vinegar uh, could have, you know, there's again, they didn't necessarily have a lot of time. But again, I would before coming on the show and knowing that I was going there, I would have already you don't even do some kind of deconstruct or something, they, even though they don't necessarily like it uh, all the times, They know that's the thing. Something's going to stump up the chef. Um, so sometimes you want to you want to think things through a little bit more. I would have after all these seasons, you have to think about. The challenges there, and I felt like. Um, this was a dish that was also very close to what everyone was going to be expecting to put some seaweed in the batter wasn't making it different you know what i mean the pre, the was beautiful don't get me wrong but i think they could have um the minted peas probably were perfectly fine um for i remember um the comments but you know there what they didn't get was that bite into the fish and having that crunch and so what could they have do- and then also the some of the the fermentation, you know, from the fermentation, fermentation of the flavor of the beer, the maltiness of the beer, and the batter and all that. Like, what could you have done had done something a little bit differently? I think they could have done something different, um, you know, um, to make that happen. But you know, uh, batter in itself should have been fire. They should have been figured that out. But yeah, you know.
1: I agree with that one. So Luciana and Buddha, uh, they got the fisherman's pie and they did cod with seafood and potatoes palm puree mussels, and champagne sauce so this is where our our, the 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 buddha that we know and love came to the surface right so buddha wrapped a fish in prawn farce uh, and zucchini scales and then he sous vide it which i love sous vide cooking i i got a sous vide machine at my house i use it quite regularly very idiot proof for cooking It, it cooks food to a certain temperature and holds it there for however long you want and, and it cooks it perfectly and leaves it there so i thought it was great that he was able to use that and laying is watching him lay the the zucchini um slices scales on that fish i was like this is gonna look really good um and, and it ended up looking really stunning i mean not, not personally i didn't think it looked as stunning as Gabri's and um gabrie and begonia's but it still looked great um, and and using a lot of technique, there's a lot of technique being used in this dish between Luciana and Buddha. Um, so what were your thoughts on that one?
2: Yeah, when I when I saw that dish, I was like, you know, they nailed it. That's that's exactly what I put in my nose. I said nailed it. Um, looks absolutely beautiful. I think that they they uh, overcame some uh, some challenges and adversity in terms of like the whole situation with the potatoes earlier. Um, I think that, uh, they came together uh, well as a team. I mean, uh, Buddha, you know, stepped it up. Um, you know, he worked with, a, uh, with Chef Claire. You know, there at some time. He, you know, he said it was his best culinary experience he ever had in his life. You know, and and so when you learn how to cook a lot of these things, and and you know, you're looking at the manipulation of food, but keeping it keeping it pure and simple. Um, you know, and taking technique to take it over the top um that's in him you know that's that's what he knows and that's why you know you know that's why I feel like they uh they did well on this in this challenge and what they presented on 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 the screen
1: yeah absolutely and for those listening sous vide machines have come way down in price you can get one on Amazon for like 50 bucks now go get you one learn how to use it it'll change your life it's it's great I, i'm not i can't be a bigger advocate of sous vide cooking i just i love it uh mm-hmm. so <laughs> next we have Sarah and Tom uh they were uh they Picked shepherd's pie, or they were they chose shepherd's pie, and, and again we talked about Tom and and using a lot of um, molecular gastronomy, using agar agar tapioca malodextrin to make powder, and it came through on this. So they made shepherd's pie uh, in in the potato itself. Kind of it, it kind of looked like a twice baked potato it, when when I was watching it, it kind of looked like that, but they had lamb dust pea gel pea puree fresh peas and a lamb stock infused carrots. Um, the technical expertise was just impressive from Tom, and then uh, I, I think it rivals Buddha on his level of, of technique, um, and it was very beautiful. I, I don't even have the words to, to express how gorgeous that 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 artwork was on the plate. Um, what were your thoughts on Sarah and Tom?
2: Yeah, I I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was amazing. Um, I you know it just looked absolutely stunning. Um, the layers. Uh, the flavors, the identifiability of of the dish, uh, I think it really spoke to uh, the skill set um, of Tom and 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 Sarah, you know, coming together with flavors and technique. Uh, I think, you know, I just thought it was a gorgeous dish.
1: Yeah, yeah, me too. And then Dale and May, they they had the scotch egg. We talked about it earlier, and the result of their dish was um, what happened when they couldn't really agree on a, a particular direction, right? So they um let's see what did they they did a thai style scotch egg with thai sausage crispy salad cilantro aioli and thai fish sauce dressing um the judges did not give it a good review um the egg was cooked perfectly but the the sausage or the breading wasn't cooked crispy enough they thought the salad was fine um but like we were saying earlier i think i think may personally, I think may have the right idea by wanting to deconstruct it and and go big and and Dale wanted to play it safe. and and for me, I think in this particular season, you can't do that. You can't play safe in 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 the level of competition that there is here. So, um you know kind of what did you think of their their final dish uh, that they presented after kind of
2: fighting their way through it? Yeah, I mean, it was a Thai-flavored scotch egg that didn't have enough crispy, crispy crispness on the outside, um, and, and it wasn't manipulated at all. I, I mean, it was... It was a scotch egg. It was,
1: it was scotch, scotch egg.
2: egg.
1: Yeah. It was kind of like the same thing with Amar and Ali with their um, not crispy fish. You got to have a crispy scotch egg. He, those are the, the two things you got to have with those those types of dishes. So, yeah. So, uh, you know, they, they couldn't quite get on the same path, on the same vision, and, and they didn't present something that was great. So Nicole and Charbel, the last couple there, they had the uh, Sunday roast, which was for their version, a seared pork tenderloin with leek fondue, celeriac mashed potatoes, glazed carrots, and Yorkshire pudding. I thought one one of the judges at the table uh, made an interesting comment. He said, if I took away the Yorkshire pudding, would you be able to tell that this was a Sunday roast? It was just a nice plate of food, which which tells me that they... They made the Sunday roast, but the only thing resembling what they ate earlier was the Yorkshire pudding. Everything else was just completely different and unidentifiable as a Sunday roast.
2: But what the thing is, though, when you go to a Sunday roast, and so here's the thing: with if you're if you're offering pork, you know, uh, with the you know the Sunday roast, then usually you're going to offer things that complement the pork with that. You're not going to just say, hey, I'm just doing pork to do pork. I'm going to do pork. And then they should have actually represented things that, that, that go with it. They saw beef. They should have stuck with beef and then manipulated that the best way they possibly could to make something delicious in that regard. But they didn't do that. So, like, you're, you're cooking for people that are English that are there and they see pork. I guarantee they're like, oh, my gosh, they're, you know, getting caramelized apples, getting a proper applesauce. The Yorkshire pudding could have been there, but it could have, but it could have been done in a way that you know is manipulated a little bit, not just to have that big you know Yorkshire pudding on the on the t- on the plate. Or they could have taken that Yorkshire pudding and then done some things that is coming out really hot, and they layer it, and you have the manipulation of the roasted vegetables, the sauce, and everything all done in different ways, so that when you cut into it, you're like, wow, that bite. Because the way that the, I've seen. The English actually eat it. They're 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 breaking open in half, they're slicing some meat, they're pouring a bunch of sauce, a bunch of gravy in there, and they're digging in. So to be able to have it manipulated in some way, other uh, kind of form, and then having it layered and having some of those other flavors that identify with the pork would have been better. And but they didn't do that. It was just kind of like, you know, what, what you what you saw. Right, right
1: so let's get the judges table so the top two teams that out of everybody there they picked buddha and Lu- luciana uh they said the judges love the flavor and the technical reinterpretation of their fish pie uh they converted padma into a quote-unquote liker of the of fish pie because she was not a big fan of, of fish and cheese and gail likened it to a deck of cards and fanning them out and seeing what all the ingredients were uh, i thought that was a really great description really of of what they did and i was like wow that's you know that's why she's gail simmons right she's able to kind of equate it to to that and i was like that's a perfect um analogy right so buddha and luciana was the first one and Gabri and begonia uh, like i said before Begonia's great cool calm collected uh the judges said that the flavor elements were all there even if it resembled nothing like bangers and mash it it tasted like it which i think was more important um, and then guest judge, Brett, had a, he said he had a ratatouille moment, or I, I equated it to a ratatouille moment. He said, when I ate that, it transported me back to my childhood of eating this as a kid. Um, so when I say ratatouille moment, if, if you don't know what that is, people, uh, you go watch Ratatouille, the Disney movie. Remy the rat makes a ratatouille for a, for a critic. And the moment he puts it in his mouth, He's transported back to his childhood. and and I think that's the goal for a lot of chefs, right? is when you when you yeah. cook these like comfort food type dishes, you want to take people back to what they know and be like, oh my gosh, I'm ex- it's like I'm experiencing this for the first time all over again.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I mean that's that's the goal. Um, the goal is to um, you know, the connection uh, with food and memory. Is what you try to, you know, you try to get a person back to. When they take a bite, we want them to say, "Wow, you took me somewhere. You took me back," you know. And 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 they they were able to do that. Yep.
1: So the winners were Buddha and Luciana uh, of this week, and and I think the top two teams couldn't be more right. Um, I, I you could have switched Tom and Sarah in there, and it still would have been just as right. Um, but I yeah. think these these top two teams, Buddha and Luciana, and Gabriel and Begonia, I think were the, were the top two for the night for sure. So we get to the mm-hmm. bottom two we get to the bottom two teams and we talk about Dale and Maine we and I'm not surprised um, after hearing the remarks and watching the bicker the moment I saw them not even agreeing on on what they wanted to do I said they' they're they're gonna have a hard time <laughs> getting it together. Um, mm-hmm. and they, you know, we talk about may wanting to deconstruct it. She kind of threw Dale under the bus a little bit. Uh, when he basically, she said this disaster was his idea, <laughs> essentially. It's like, I wanted Pretty to do answer. this. He wanted to do this. We ended up doing his idea. So if this sucks, mm-hmm. it's his fault. Um, so kind of, it was kind of interesting to, to see that come into play a little bit back in the, at judges table. What, what did you think of, of their interaction as they're explaining to the judges, their dish?
2: yeah, you know it, it, it was reminiscent of of uh, you know my season, you know um, in a sense that you feel like you know when you see the bickering going back and forth when you are not you know you're not agreeing and then one person uh, submits to the other um and you thought that you were in the same page, you mm-hmm. know it's it, it sucks, you know like but not everyone is gonna be truthful. You know, um, you know, and uh, if May was, you know, very adamant about how she wanted to do something, she just said, no, I, this is what I'm, I'm going to do this. And this is what it's going to be. And I think we need, you know, like you got to take some risk and, she, it, you know, and may have big enough shoulders to realize if it fails, then you're going home because you not because you didn't try, you know. Um, and I think that's what she wanted to be able to showcase. Right,
1: right. Um, and then the other bottom two team was Ali and Amar. I think we talked a little bit about that with the soggy fish, which when you're eating fish and chips, that's the last thing you want is a soggy battered fish. But Padma, she always asked, she asked this a lot in her judges table. She said, were you happy with the dish? And I'm thinking, God, what a loaded question, right? Because the the way you answer that is like, you could, you could look like, no, I wasn't happy but I served it anyway, or yeah, I was happy with it. Now you're ignorant, you know, or you're, you're, you're dumb. So, you know, you've, you've heard her in person ask that of people in your series uh, in your season. So you know, yeah. what, what, how do you respond to a question like that when you're in the bottom two?
2: Well, you're going to know as a, as a chef, you're going to know if it didn't come out the way that you wanted it to. Um, I think they, I think art, you know, artistically, you got two things that, that failed them in my mind. One, they put the tartar sauce on top of the batter fish when they presented it. So, however long it sat, you were already you already had a risk of it being soggy. That's right. Now they may they may have been thinking that okay, I'm gonna put this on there, and because I want them when they take a bite that it's already there. But that's not what it is. Like that's not helping the situation, you know. And probably because it is a tartar sauce, and it's not like it's. Uh, and this is the thing they didn't have to make a tartar sauce to make a tartar sauce they had to make something that tasted like tartar sauce to be tartar sauce you know what i'm saying yeah so they could have done something else that that, that got those textures and flavors and make it work while they should have actually had that fish somehow cooked in a manner that was so crispy and beautiful like they should have been a manipulation of super fried like fingers of like in potato and all in the same time that they had in a cool basket, where they can dip it and they get in that crunch. And they in the acid, it was something and you know, in a different way, because it, it was supposed to remind you of fish and chips, it didn't have to be exactly like that. You know, I mean, and so if you go back and look at the picture um, that they posted, the tartar sauce was actually on the fish. So yeah, say yeah that, say right. they had say they say they had to wait ten minutes. you know sometimes like even though that bell goes off and they're getting ready to serve, sometimes it might it might be five minutes, ten minutes before they even take a bite mm-hmm. because they're sitting there well, you again, what you don't see, you see them dropping the food down and then they it looks like they're immediately eating. The food could drop down, they have to reset lighting and everything else to make sure everything is lit properly on the food. And then uh, everyone looks at the food, they're getting angles. And you know, everyone's looking, 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 it might be 10 minutes before they even take a bite. So now, like you have that tartar sauce on there, what's gonna happen? The same thing is I don't care what you do. Like it's not gonna stay crispy with something that's on there wet and heavy for a long period of time right that's why, it, that's why you have it on the side on the side <laughs> yeah and, and i <laughs> think that, that's the that reason
1: exactly so i didn't even notice that the first time so it's good you brought that up so i think the reason why these two teams are on the bottom two is because they did not really deviate much from from what they had they still presented fish and chips and it probably you know it was fine but it wasn't as wasn't reimagining of it same thing with the scotch egg it wasn't a reimagining of the dish where it tasted exactly the same but you you look at it like how is this a scotch egg and you taste it oh yeah it is a scotch egg like they they were they were too narrowly focused in what the dish actually was to be able to think outside of that box to do something different so I thought the right two were on the bottom and then the team that ended up getting eliminated were May and Dale could have been I I was either or on this one Um, Personally, I could go, I'm fine with a little less than crunchy scotch egg, but a soggy f- fried fish, you know, I, I I come from the South where, you know, fried catfish is a staple and you got to have that thing crunchy. So I'm, I'm all about crunchy the fish. Green. So, I, you know, Dale and May, okay, for me, it could have been either or. What do you think about Dale and May
2: going home? Neither manipulated the dish enough to even consider it to be deconstructed at all. I didn't see it but I, I, I don't remind it doesn't remind me of seeing this like this but like if they would have taken like panko breadcrumbs and had that as the breading for that scotch egg it would have been super crispy they wouldn't have had an issue but they didn't do that i think they just fried the 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 sausage around the egg and didn't bread it um so you're missing another uh, you're missing the actual layer of crunchiness um and so if they would have had that layer and it would have been crunchy it would have been fine, but then they would have got dinged on the fact that they didn't manipulate anything. The only thing they did was add a tie flavors into something that's very traditional already. Say everything was cooked right. It, and I'm sure they were having this dialogue. Say everything was cooked right. Say the scotch egg was crispy. Say that they didn't put the tar sauce on the fish and it was cooked crispy. What separated them to show that they that it was it was truly deconstructed? Did it, it, did it not resemble what I was looking to, like? Because that's what you're supposed to do make it look like something totally different, manipulate it, but it ate like the traditional item. That was the challenge.
1: Yeah, neither one of them elevated it. it. Neither one of them elevated
2: it. 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 Nothing wrong with with the way that they cooked, but the challenge, and again, when you go back behind the scenes, what you're not seeing, you have these contracts that are like this thick that every (laughs) chef has to sign. And so when they go through it, it's like, do you understand this challenge? Do you understand this is a deconstructed challenge? You you know, you're going to end up having this ingredient. You're responsible for deconstructing it. You have this amount of money to spend. You're going to be teamed up with this person. You have this amount of time. This is how the kitchen sequence is going to run. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. (laughs) Sign. Boom. And then you go in and then you then you still have the creative time to to put it all together and then if you don't make it all pop like the interpretation of that challenge everyone is a little bit different like and that's the hard part is that what you put in front of the judge the goal is for it to be delicious but then when they start nitpicking they're going to say well the challenge was x Did did they do what the challenge stated no they didn't okay so you can go home for a good dish you know yeah, because you didn't follow the rules, and that's right. that's what ended up happening. That's you know, exactly that, right. They they, they nitpicked. Um, they didn't nitpick. Stuff wasn't crunchy. Yeah, it, you know, it was either on either one. It wasn't crunchy. Both had to be fried, or something had to have a texture of being crunchy, and it didn't. It didn't happen. That's right.
1: That's right. Yeah. Uh, so now we move to Last Chance Kitchen. So now Last Chance Kitchen isn't a one on one battle, but it's a one on one on one battle. So um, they they open up. Last Chance Kitchen, Dale says he regrets not taking a more aggressive leadership role, and I'm thinking, dude, you steamrolled her. I mean, I don't know how much more aggressive you could have been, but okay. Uh, The whole thing was was his idea and then may say may said dale wanted to play it safe we talked about that Uh, and pretty much she wasn't listened to and i i think that was her biggest gripe is like you didn't listen to a single idea that i had and that's why we're here today um dawn is still there from winning last chance kitchen last week so she is um here this week to go against dale and may um Dawn was surprised to see May. She said, called her flavors dope and called Dale's congee from last week's episode bland and mushy. So uh, she didn't, you know, she was kind of surprised to see May, not surprised to see Dale. Uh, So I thought that was an interesting take. Um, And then here's the challenge. So the challenge was a continuation of basically the elimination challenge. It's another pub food challenge uh gail is uh one of the judges along with tom and she lifts the cloche and we get a welsh rare bit which i've never heard of before um a rare bit it's a sauce made of light golden brew of flour butter mixed with sharp cheddar cheese a bit of mustard or mustard powder and a really strong beer it's it's beer cheese soup essentially uh a little bit but um but in a sauce and it's poured over a thick piece of toast and broiled in the oven it's a very simple, simple comfort food. So the challenge for Don, Dale, and May was to make their own version of a Welsh rarebit. So again, it's a, a continuation of the elimination challenge. They only get 30 minutes. So this is a, essentially kind of a quick fire challenge. Uh, so what do you think of, of this particular challenge? Have you, have you ever had rarebit before? But I mean, just in, in describing it, it is basically a cheese sauce.
2: Yeah, basically like a bechamel that's poured on bread and you toast it up and broil it. I mean, it's like a open face like, cheese toast, you know, at the yeah. end of the day. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, I mean, uh, again, you know, what what can you do with this? Um, they had an opportunity to, to, to play around with some food based on this theme, and there you yeah. have it. <laughs>
1: so the fun thing about Last Chance Kitchen is the Eliminated Chefs, hang around you know they're they're part of the comment kind of the the peanut gallery so to speak uh and so the first one sitting there samuel you know he lost the first so he's uh he's all alone sitting in the in the in the cheap seats so tom walks over to samuel and says uh so you know this dish samuel says no (laughs) gail says does it interest you no Good talk, Samuel. <laughs> yeah. you, you you have got the personality of a cardboard box, my dude. I'm like, yeah, come on, yeah, man. Yeah. You're you're on the so show. Yeah, he, checked ta- out. He, checked yeah out. he was done. I'm like, you know, you're on the show. Just take the opportunity to sell yourself a little bit. But he's like, nah, I'm not competing anymore. I, I have no reason to be <laughs> interactive at this point. But yeah, Gail's like, all right. Thanks.
2: <laughs>
1: and Dawn, through the through this competition, she's she's feeling a little less than confident. Uh, through her cooking here, she she, you know, and I think we talked about this in the last couple of pods where where Dawn kind of seemed checked out. Um, and she said herself, it takes a couple of challenges for her to kind of to get in the groove, right? And with with All Stars, you you don't have that luxury, so. Let's talk about the dishes they presented. So May presented a rare bit with beer foam, port wine, chili, lilies, uh, and tomatoes. Tom said the cheese really came through, especially the smoky cheese. The beer sauce was bitter but worked. And Gail liked that it was a light variation and also liked the smoked cheese and tomatoes. So talking about a little bit of what can you do with, with cheese sauce. So she made a, a beer foam, which I thought was pretty creative. Um, used different types of uh, smoky cheeses to, to elevate the flavor a little bit. Dawn made rare bit with kimchi and cheddar, cheddar cream. Uh, Tom liked the kimchi and cheese combo. Gail thought it was fun and playful. Dale made a rare bit with cream cheese, asparagus, roasted mushrooms, and rest, red wine, mustard shallot. So of the three, um, really the the thing that made rarebit elevated in this sense is, is the addition of some other things, like with Dale doing the, the roasted mushrooms and the asparagus, Dawn with the kimchi, and and may with the tomatoes and and the port wine chili and and all that mm-hmm. so i mean you,
2: you kind of look at that
1: yeah i mean that's really all you can do it's a cheese sauce right you, you can only change it so much
2: yeah i think the level of um uh, the way that you're going to season it um, where it could be more pronounced and then maybe the the different ways that you can do the bread layering um and, and of course um you know the the technique. The, I think the foam was was nice. Um, you know, you could have done um, some other things. It wasn't a deconstructed challenge for for the most part. It was like a you know, Welsh writer, but Your interpretation of it. So I think as long as you had the bread and the and the cheese and, and it was broiled in some kind of manner, I think you're going to achieve it. Uh, do something well. And I think it was just a matter of what they felt was going to be that best the best way to do it. I mean. I mean, hell, they could have done some kind of cool French toast and had it, you know, the batter actually having some kind of cheese in it where you have that crispy cheese the way you would do like on a taco. Like you take the cheddar oh, from yeah, the top yeah. and kind of roll roll it in and that way you get that layer of crunch. And then you have some, you know, then it could have been cut and layered up and then you could have had the foam and, you get, and then the, all the bites you're getting cheese and mustard and bread as you're getting it. That would have been a chefed up version of it.
1: So the winner of Last Chance Kitchen was Dale and May, and unfortunately Dawn got eliminated. Uh, one of my favorites from her, from her Portland season just, just got eliminated. She, you know, Tom said the dish didn't really come together. The kimchi took the focus away from being a rare bit, which, you know, it's kimchi. It's, it's gonna take the focus away of pretty much whatever you put it in if you're not careful. Um, yeah. She made an interesting statement last week that in her season, we talked about that, took her a few challenges to get in the groove. Um, but she also said what was different from her season in Portland to this season is that in her season in Portland, she was kind of cooking in a state of survival. For whatever purposes, she was she was cooking for a, a bigger reason. Uh, and then this season, it, it wasn't there. Now she's got a restaurant opening uh, coming up. She's doing a lot of cool things. And, you know, she she doesn't feel like she has to win Top Chef. You look at somebody like Carla Hall from Season 5 and All-Star Season 8 she didn't win either season and she's won Emmys for her hosting gig on the chew. She's got cookbooks out. She's, she's doing all this stuff. And with Dawn is the same thing. She's like, my life is flourishing, you know, without top chef, I don't like, I don't have anything to prove anymore. And so when when I heard her say that, what I equated it to as being checked out was just, she had a different motivation in her Portland season than she does here.
2: Well, she's already started tasting the fruits of, how she represented herself on the show, and so now, uh, she you know she didn't she didn't go there not to win. It was you know she went there because she was trying to get another two hundred She was trying to get two hundred fifty thousand dollars. She didn't win her season. She did well, but you know uh, she was looking to try to go win. And the thing is, she lost, and she realized that you know maybe she wasn't at the same tier as some of these other chefs and what they were coming to play. You know they they came to play. You know. A little bit harder, a little bit more focused initially than she was, and uh, it, you know, she got stung, you know, and so now she, you know, she has to has to eat that pill and and then move on. It's fine, you know, Uh, and she's right; she has other things to look forward to. But you know, you, you know, uh, my mom always, you know, always says like, you know, when you're hungry, uh, you're always going to eat, and and so you got if you if you're not hungry and focused, you know, then you know what are you what are you what are you doing it for? You know, but a hungry man is always gonna eat.
1: So, so Don's out. Uh, so of Team USA, the only one we have left is we have Sarah, we have Amar, and we have Buddha. So that's all that's left of Team USA, uh, with with Don getting the exit. And you know, good good luck to Don. She's she's got some good things going on. And you know, a life well lived is the best kind of revenge, right?
2: That's right. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs>
1: I think we did it. I think we we covered yes. everything there is to cover on on Top Chef episode season twenty, episode three. So again, uh, Kenny Gilbert, I appreciate your time and come and coming on and doing these recaps. it's It's been a lot of fun. We'll do it again next week, and we'll see what what happens.
2: Sounds good. Thank you very much.